welcome back to another episode of the Better You Podcast. I am your host, Casey Main, and I am very grateful that you're here. I really think you're going to enjoy this week's episode. So in episode 11, we talked about alcohol and drinking. So I figured that this week it was only fitting to talk about drugs. Okay, not really, but kind of. We are talking about cannabis and specifically CBD because basically it is everywhere these days. And honestly, I was never really that interested in it until I was listening to a podcast and they started talking about the endocannabinoid system. It's very difficult to pronounce, at least for me it is. And basically it is this extremely important system throughout our body in terms of regulating homeostasis. And as I was listening, I just thought, wow, like I have never heard of that system. And I'm not an an extreme health nut, but like a little bit of a health nut and I follow a lot of stuff. So I was just, I was very intrigued. So I started doing my own research into it. And of course, you know, the internet can get very overwhelming. And so I thought, okay, forget this. I'm just going to talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about. And that is how I found Gretchen Lidecker, who is our guest for this week's show. Gretchen was formerly the health editor at Mind Body Green, and she's currently a freelance writer working for a variety of places in the health space. And she is the author of two books, CBD Oil Everyday Secrets, A Lifestyle Guide to Hemp-Derived Health and Wellness, so see, hence our expert for CBD, and another book titled Magnesium, A Lifestyle Guide to Epsom Salts, Magnesium Oil, and Nature's Relaxation Mineral. She has a degree in biology from the Honors College of Charleston and a master's in physiology with a concentration in complementary and alternative medicine from Georgetown University. And we talk about the cannabis plant and a lot about the two major compounds that most of us are familiar with, THC and CBD. We discuss their positive side effects, their negative side effects, how they interact with each other, the current and future state of research on this plant. And she gives some really critical advice for how to go about selecting CBD products if you're interested in trying them. Honestly, I learned so much in this episode. So I ask that you keep an open mind while listening. And also it's pretty entertaining how I just continue to butcher how to pronounce it. And Gretchen is just so kind and not correcting me, but eventually I do pick up on the fact that I continue to say it wrong and she continues to say it right. And it is endocannabinoid endocannabinoid, not endocannabinoid, as I continuously call it throughout the episode. Okay, so let's get right to it. I hope you enjoy. Please listen all the way to the end to hear my takeaways from the episode and also another book recommendation from a listener. Tell everyone a little bit about um, your background, your education, your experience, and like what you currently do. Yeah, sure. Um, So my background, I mean, I guess we'll start way back. I I got a degree in biology and I was completely on the track to go to medical school. And like so many people who enter the world of wellness, I had some personal health stuff happen and just was super disappointed by the options I was given in kind of like the conventional medical scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I started getting really into nutrition, you know, mindfulness, yoga. um, And then I started interning for a naturopathic doctor who um, basically owned a wellness center and I would do patient plans for her. And, you know, she did a lot of nutrition plans. She helped a lot of people with gut health issues and just like the chronic aches and pains and woes so many of us have. But you go to your primary care doctor and they're like, I don't know, you know, (laughs) come back when you have something I can diagnose. So then I uh, just was like, medical school is not for me, clearly. And I went and did a master's program at Georgetown that was basically in physiology and integrative medicine. So I studied herbs, I studied like, you know, traditional medical systems, like traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda. And then we read a lot, a lot, a lot of research studies and figured out how to evaluate them critically. And, you know, I took physiology, biochemistry, things like that. And then after that, I I got a job in New York as the health editor at MindBodyGreen. It's one of the biggest health and wellness websites. And I basically managed, you know, their health content. So I worked with some really cool contributors like Dr. Mark Hyman, Dr. Perlmutter, who wrote Grain Brain, and just basically nerded out on health, you know, about these topics all day. So now I, I still contribute to MindBodyGreen, but now I'm sort of a, a free agent. I'm a freelancer. So I 
I write for a bunch of different sites. And then while I was at Mind Body Green, I started publishing a lot about uh, CBD mm-hmm. and ended up writing a book on CBD. So now I'm sort of a, uh, I, t- I write a lot about medical marijuana, hemp, CBD, and and that sort of whole area, which is endlessly fascinating to me. So was that too long? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's perfect. You're just, I'm, I'm almost sitting here like getting super jealous. Like you literally are like a little bit of my idol because I just, I'm, I'm a little bit later in life kind of realizing how interested I am in health and wellness and integrated medicine and all of that. And I spent years working in the healthcare industry, not on the clinical end. I was more on like the marketing and sales, but I, I definitely got a little bit jaded just kind of understanding, especially from a business perspective, how the healthcare system works from physicians to surgery centers to hospitals and, you know, then how, how they're paid and just all of it. And I was just like, this is, this is a, a broken, like a very broken system. And yeah. so I, just, I love that your education and experience is rooted in, in research, but also in a lot of these, I guess they're still considered like unconventional um, type ways of viewing medicine. Yeah. And a lot of personal experience. I think you don't really realize how broken things are until you're, you know, in the healthcare system, like you, you were, or a patient, you know? Yeah. We also like, I don't know. I think we, we've just lived in this society of like, if you feel any kind of ache or pain, here's, here's a pill to take, or here's some kind of medicine to take. Like we just kind of bandaid everything. And only recently do I feel like at least the mainstream, I'm going to say mainstream, although I'm I'm probably a little bit more of a health nut than than maybe the average person, but like mainstream conversation is starting to get a little bit more into, all right, so what is the actual root of, of these issues of just everyday like aches and pains and moods to like chronic illness, autoimmune disease. And so you're hearing a lot more conversation about the microbiome and inflammation and all this stuff. So I, my hope is that we're, we're moving in the, in a better direction at least. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was a time when most patients came in and, and they wanted to leave with a quick fix. Like, you know, they wanted to leave with a pill and something simple, but I think things are really changing. Like people are really like, I want to know why this is happening. I'm willing to change my lifestyle. I'm willing to do this. And it's just a matter of connecting those motivated people with resources that know how, you know, what, how to proceed. Exactly. And that's where like, this is where kind of the internet is a blessing and a curse because it's just, you can find all kinds of information if you go looking for it, but you can also just find all kinds of like conflicting information and it can get overwhelming and confusing. And which is like a little bit of what, of how we came to be talking. I, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about CBD oil, which I had never really, I mean, I see it everywhere, but I had never really had any real interest in it because I like every, a lot of people probably immediately tied it to some, something having to do with marijuana and medical marijuana. And that's just, never really been my jam. I mean, like legal or not, like I, my drinking was my, my uh, <laughs> choice poison, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I just kind of never really thought about it. But in this podcast, they started talking about the endocannabinoid system as this enormously important regulatory system in our body. And I'm like, huh, I'm like, I have never even heard of this like ever. So I started Googling it and um, found one of your articles on Mind Body Green. And I just totally trust Mind Body Green as a source, which is how or why I reached out to you. So let's start because I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, endo what? So like, yeah. let's start like high level of like, what is the endocannabinoid system? In very simple terms, basically, humans have been, you know, evolved with the cannabis plant. They've been using cannabis for medical purposes for thousands and thousands of years. And basically, they always knew it had these, you know, properties and compounds in in it. And eventually, when they were able to sort of isolate those and figure out how they were interacting with the body, they discovered this entire, you know, that the receptors that the compounds in cannabis like THC and CBD were interacting with in the body were part of this huge sort of regulatory system. And 
that's what the endocannabinoid system is. It's basically a system of receptors and actually something called an endogenous cannabinoid, which is basically similar to CBD or THC, but it's produced inside your own body. And then enzymes and things like that. So it's kind of like a big hormone system or, you know, the lymphatic system. It's one of these big bodily systems that we hear about, but we, we haven't known much at all about the endocannabinoid system. Okay. So this is, this is putting in like super simple, maybe obvious terms, but so like the endocannabinoid system is a bunch of endocannabinoids, which our body makes regardless of whether or not we've ever come in contact with marijuana. Yes. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Um, and it, so it includes endocannabinoids and then also receptors for those endocannabinoids, which are the same receptors that CBD and THC um, interact with. So yeah, it's a little bit like of a, a kind of a hard concept to grasp at first, but if you just sort of think of it as a big bodily system, that's kind of how I would think of it. Okay. So like, where is the system located? It is, Does it have like a central point or like, where is it? So no, it's everywhere. Endocannabinoid receptors are all over the body, in, a, um, in every organ, in every immune cell, in the brain, in the spinal cord. So they're literally everywhere, which is kind of one of the reasons why when you, you read about CBD's benefits or medical, you know, the benefits of medical marijuana, it, it sort of seems like it does a little bit of everything. And when you learn how the endocannabinoid system works and how it's sort of all over the body, uh, it makes a little bit more sense and it's a little bit more believable. Okay. So if this is all over our body, like why, I guess, why, why were we not aware of it or talking about it way prior to this or, or have physicians in the medical community community, like known about this for a while? So not really. Uh, we knew about the cannabinoids in the, in cannabis in plants way before we knew about the ones in our own body. And it, and it's, it's more because it's sort of a subtle system and we still aren't very good at sort of measuring our endocannabinoid system. Like we still, there's still so much we don't know about it. We know that it exists and that it's uh, the amount of endocannabinoids in your body um, can be sort of high or low. And those have been associated with certain medical conditions or, you know, things like that. But there's so, so, so much that we don't know. And part of that is because any research having to do with cannabis has been completely, it's been really hard to do in the United States because cannabis was illegal. It's on the schedule, um, the list of schedule one substances. So it's very difficult to get permission to study cannabis and sort of how it interacts with the body. So yeah, it's just been an area that we've really neglected for a long time. And now there's this big interest. So hopefully in the next five, 10 years, we're going to learn, we're going to have answers to a lot of those questions. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point that it's been a drug. It's been an illegal drug for so long. So to, to get actual scientific kind of medical studies on it, I'm sure was not easy or necessarily even like high on on the medical community's priority list. Yeah, there's a really interesting article uh, um, in Rolling Stone magazine that was a big part of my, a big moment in my research for the book. It's called Why Is It Still So um, Hard to Study Pot, I believe. And it basically, you know, talks about all the obstacles that there are. Like you have to get approval from three federal institutions. It's a ton of paperwork. Almost none of it can be done online. And then they interviewed this doctor who was trying to study cannabis for veterans with PTSD. And it took her like eight years to get approval to do her trial. And then there's only one official supplier of cannabis for research in the United States. And that place has like famously low quality cannabis. So when she actually received the cannabis to use in the study, she found that it didn't meet any of the potency requirements that she needed and it was contaminated with mold. So even the studies that have been done were, you, you know, using this the cannabis from this source that is not very good. So there's it there. It's like a whole rabbit hole you go down uh, when you start learning about it. And it's pretty it's pretty incredible. That's that's so interesting. All right. So we have this system in in our bodies naturally like regardless of the cannabis plant 
and we have all these receptors, which I assume is what cannabis then is affecting when it's okay. So what, what does the system in our body, like what all does it regulate or affect like within us? So, and I want to just mention that a lot of this is, it's been suggested in different studies, but not, you know, this is all such new science that none of it has all been proven, mm-hmm. but they've connected alterations in the endocannabinoid system to changes in fertility, to headaches, to uh, GI issues. And they basically the biggest job of the endocannabinoid system is to maintain homeostasis, which basically is balance in the body. It's mm-hmm. like your body's internal regulatory system, and it affects how you respond to pain, how you respond to stress, things like that. So it's thought of as this sort of subtle system that is meant to sort of keep you in equilibrium. And that when it gets kind of off kilter, things can go wrong with your health. Is it the main system in charge of of maintaining homeostasis or is it like one of a couple or several others? It's one of many, but it's one that's been sort of ignored for a long time. Like, you know, another system that would be involved in pain would be uh, opioid system in the body and endorphins can affect pain. So it's, you know, it's one of many systems that are involved in, in that kind of thing. But yeah. Okay. So other than cannabis, are there things that, that I guess can kind of speak to those receptors or like affect our endocannabinoid system? Yeah. So one of the interesting things about the endocannabinoid system is that it seems to be the health of it seems to be connected to our lifestyle. So things like exercise seem and, you know, uh, a diet high in vegetables seem to be good for the endocannabinoid system and things like stress, you know, environmental toxins, things like that, that we all hear are not so good seem to be detrimental to it. So it, 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 in a way, you know, researchers are thinking about it a little bit like the health of your endocannabinoid system could be an indicator of how healthy your lifestyle is. Ah, okay. And side note, like I'm just laughing at how I just keep mispronouncing this word, but it, for whatever reason, I'm like really it's, struggling to get it correctly. It's a really tough one. <laughs> okay. So let's talk for a second about cannabis because I, I don't think that I was aware of like the different parts of it until this whole CBD oil craze and just realizing, okay, so like I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, we recently um, legalized medical marijuana, but not recreational. So, but then all these CBD oil places start popping up and it's available everywhere. And I think, whereas I had wrongfully kind of just put it in the marijuana world, I guess it is, but it isn't. So like, what, what are the different parts of cannabis and like, how does it play out with like CBD oil? And then I know THC, I think is the factor that actually like gets you high. Yeah. So I also was never a marijuana user. Uh, It makes me really anxious, really paranoid. I even have this embarrassing story that I wrote about in the book where I took like one puff off a joint when I was, you know, in in college and, and fainted. So I was definitely not like someone who was like, I can't wait to write about a book about cannabis. Like I wasn't, you know, I, in fact, I kind of thought, mm, I feel like maybe these health benefits are either overblown or this plant is just not for me and it does not work for me. So I really did like write the book from a skeptic's point of view. And the first time I tried CBD, I was terrified that it would give me the same uncomfortable side effects that THC does. And yeah, so THC is the, you know, the main intoxicating compound in cannabis. And it's the one that gets you high. And it's the one that can cause like symptoms like paranoia, heart palpitations, anxiety, panic, um, and things like that. Are there any good side effects of THC? Or do the good side effects of marijuana come actually from the CBD oil? Yeah, absolutely. THC also has some great benefits. In fact, compared to CBD, It definitely looks like THC um, is probably better for pain, sleep, things like that. Um, And the cool thing, so so once you start learning more about cannabis, just like you said, you start learning, okay, well, not all cannabis is like the stuff you got from the 7-Eleven parking lot in high school. Like it's not (laughs) not one type of plant. In fact, 
the ranges of CBD and THC in cannabis plants can vary wildly. Like there are plants that are as much as like 30% THC and then, you know, plants that have almost no THC. So it really is like, because cannabis was used so long just for recreation and it was made illegal, people really only knew about the kind that got you high. But there are all different types of cannabis and CBD kind of represents this this type of cannabis that is not going to get you stoned, but still has many of the benefits. And the coolest thing about it is that CBD and THC really seem to work synergistically together. So to get you stoned, THC um, activates a receptor called CB1, uh, which is in the brain, and that's what causes the high feeling. CBD actually acts against THC's action on CB1. So CBD can kind of temper the side effects of THC. So the best formulations, cannabis formulations, are they combine the two compounds. So that's kind of what they're doing with CBD now is studying how it can, you know, be used to help increase the benefits of cannabis and decrease the side effects. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure we'll start to see a little bit more of this in, in, in Jacksonville as, um, you know, we become, I guess, a more mature market in terms of, you know, this whole legalization of, of cannabis process. But I have, I have friends who live in States where recreational is, is legal. And, you know, you just hear stuff of how they, there's all these different, I guess, yeah, strains, some that'll make you giggly, some that'll really make you relax and help you sleep. And just, and I remember first hearing that and being like, how is that possible? But then again, like my experience with marijuana was, you know, out of some plastic baggie that somebody <laughs> had that they bought from who knows who. So that yes. explains, I guess, how you really can have, I guess, different experiences with different strains. Absolutely. And even in addition to CBD and THC, there are a bunch of other different compounds and, you know, cannabinoids that we haven't even really studied with, studied yet. So it could extend even beyond just those two, although those two are sort of the most popular right now. Um, And then cannabis also has uh, something called terpenes, which are basically like the essential oils of the plant, which can also sort of influence how our body reacts to them. So just like you said, like one makes you giggly, one makes you sleepy. That has to do with just, you know, the characteristics of the plant, what compounds are in it, what essential oils are in it. And, and they can be really sort of distinct, surprisingly so. Okay. And so then the reason that is all possible, so it's different compounds in the, in the plant that are touching or talking to the different receptors in us. Yes, exactly. Okay, so can CBD cause kind of the negative effects that THC can, like paranoia, anxiety? No. So actually THC or CBD seems to work against those. CBD seems to cause calmness and fend off anxiety. So it very much has, it's sort of like the, you know, the responsible side effect free compound and sort of reigns in THC, if you will. And CBD appears like a a lot of research has been done on it, even in children. And it it really appears to be an extremely safe compound. It's been studied in a a wide range of doses used for a really long period of time and without significant side effects. Well, yeah, like that makes sense. So kind of the way I'm, I'm thinking about it in my brain, which is in like super simple terms, but it's like the CBD is the, is the good element of the plant. THC is good and bad. And the CBD will help kind of decrease the bad component of THC. And when I mean bad, I mean the, you know, the anxiety and paranoia, because I I think anyone who, or I think a lot of people who have ever smoked pot in their life have had a bad experience where you feel that paranoia. And then that's what I think has turned so many people off from it. Absolutely. And that can be a really scary experience. Like it is, you know, people, you know, cannabis advocates really like to say it's the safest thing around. And while it is really safe, like you cannot overdose, it would take so much cannabis to overdose that you couldn't possibly consume it, you know, that much. So it's compared to like pharmaceuticals, opioids, other drugs, even alcohol, uh, it's very, very safe. But that doesn't mean that it's not an 
extremely uncomfortable, scary experience when you have too much. So I really like what you said about, you know, CBD being good and THC being good, you know, with a caveat. And I think one of the problems we're seeing right now is as CBD gets so popular, people are starting to sort of villainize THC and say, okay, well, that's the bad part of the plant. CBD is the good part, but THC also has a lot of important benefits. You just need to know how to dose it, how to use it, um, and how to do that in a way that's not going to cause those symptoms. Is the medical marijuana field, are they, I guess, also kind of like villainizing the THC or are they more, are they using the THC because it does have that ability to like ease pain and, and some of those benefits? From what I've seen, people are still, you know, THC is still a really great, you know, tool and people are using it. They're just using it with different ratios of CBD added to it. But no, when you go to, you know, recreational dispensaries, there are a ton of high THC products, a ton of high CBD products. It's really like, you know, dealer's choice, whatever works for you for what you're dealing with, you know. Um, And that's sort of, I think, the future of research in this area will be, okay, what ratio of CBD to THC is best for anxiety? Which one is best for neuropathic pain? Which one is best for IBS? You know, we don't know that yet. It's sort of like individual people have discovered that through trial and error, but we don't really know exactly what it is yet. It's kind of exciting because there's a lot of potential. It's not just, you know, one type of cannabis is good for one thing. It's, um, you know, there are a million types of it. It is, it is, it's, it is exciting. And I mean, I just find it very interesting because, you know, ultimately it's a plant and we have viewed it for so long just as a drug, but if you can kind of switch your mindset to viewing it as a plant and in kind of the plant medicine and then also plant health, like, you know, there's a reason we eat other plants, you know, for health benefits. So it's like, if you can kind of switch it into viewing it as a plant that, that kind of helps open your mind to like the, all the good possibilities that it can bring. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of funny because right now there are scientists scouring the earth for plants that can be used in pharmaceutical drugs. More than 50% of pharmaceutical drugs are based on compounds that we found in plants. So it's sort of ironic that we're all, you know, everybody's looking for this amazing, the next amazing plant, while this can plant, cannabis, has been sort of cast out for so long because it's one of the most amazing ones we've ever discovered and it's so versatile, um, but it just sort of has this baggage. So a lot of people will say, you know, a lot of experts will say, if we discovered cannabis today, it would be like a life-changing discovery. There would be so much research. We'd bring it right through all the funnels to study it and everyone would be thrilled. But because it has this sort of really long history and this baggage in this country, it's, you know, it's harder to change people's minds. So what, again, what, what distinguishes between somebody experiencing kind of the, the negative effects of THC or not? Like, is it a matter of the strain and kind of the THC to CBD ratio or does the person come into play at all in terms of like what's going on with their internal receptors? Like if, if you and I shared a joint, I'm just gonna get real old school here. (laughs) Is there, is it possible that like you'd get super anxious and paranoid and I would have this great high? Absolutely. And that's what sort of has made it so difficult also to study is that it seems to be like the interpersonal variation is huge. And they they think it's just a matter of how your endocannabinoid receptors are sort of distributed throughout your body. It's a matter of genetics. It's a matter of brain chemistry and brain structure. And there's sort of little discoveries are being made about that, you know, here and there, but we really don't have that answer yet. Eventually, I think you'll be able to test to see how you'll respond to it. I also think like if someone has underlying anxiety, that can be triggered easily by, you know, too much THC. And then the delivery method that you use, like smoking is a very quick delivery method. And then it's it comes on really quick and it leaves very quickly. Edibles, when you, you know, take THC and it get goes through your digestive system, become way stronger. So, you know, if you smoked something and then you ate an edible, that edible would be much stronger and you're much more likely to have negative side effects. 
So it, it's like there's so much, there's so many ways it could go that, yeah, it, it can get really complicated. Okay. So then I assume that there's also like interpersonal variation for how people react to CBD. Yes. It seems that way. Yeah, it does seem that way. Um, and that also is something that we don't have all the answers to, but it, there, there have been doctors who suggest CBD to their patients and they say, oh, well, one patient with chronic migraines responded well to two milligrams of CBD and another one needed 80 milligrams. And it's that it just that's the way it seems to go. And it doesn't really seem to be linked that closely to like age or weight, you know, sort of like other plants or, or medicines would. Uh, it seems to be a little bit more complicated than that. Which which makes sense. I feel like a lot of the the conversations are starting to move towards like there's no best diet or eating plan for, for the masses. It's more, it's very individualized in terms of like how your body is going to react to different foods or there's like the, I don't know, there's all these crazy stuff. So there's like plant-based, there's vegan, there's the carnivore diet or whatever, you know, there's the kind of high fat bulletproof world and intermittent fasting. And, and that's where I think it can get so overwhelming because there's all these options and ultimately what works for you is super individualized. And so there's no like easy way to figure it out, I assume, other than like trial and error. Yeah, trial and error. And to even pile on top of that, it also seems that there's not only interpersonal variation with cannabinoids like between people, but that the same person might not need the same dose in a year that they need now. Like that can also change based on, you know, we know our lifestyle affects our endocannabinoid system. So our own tolerances and needs can change over time. So yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. I know. (laughs) It's like, there's never just like an easy here, do this and you'll feel better. Yeah. So yeah. Um, And I write a lot in the book. I, I sort of talk a lot about how I experimented with it. And it was sort of this haphazard all over the place. Like I'll try this, then I'll try this, then I'll try a topical and an edible and a vape pen and a a sublingual oil and this ratio and that ratio. And it was like a total mess, but that's how a lot of people kind of go about it because there's just no, you know, it's such a new industry. Okay, so for people um, listening who maybe have a, a little bit more open mind or, or had an open mind even going into this to like experimenting with CBD or or even THC, depending on like what state you live in and what you legally or if you're okay with illegally have access to, like what what are some kind of common aches and pains or symptoms that could potentially be addressed Like, what are some things people could be experiencing that they're like, oh, okay, maybe CBD oil is, or CBD is a, is an option for treating this? Yeah. So they're studying, they've done one good study on CBD for like public speaking induced anxiety. So it appears that CBD may be helpful for that. A lot of people use it for that purpose and find it really helpful sleep. A lot of people use it for sleep. And although the research on CBD and sleep is kind of not very conclusive, it does seem to reduce anxiety. And that's probably why it helps people with sleep is, you know, it kind of helps with sleep by way of anxiety. Any kind of chronic inflammatory condition, they're doing a lot of research on CBD and arthritis, CBD and IBS or Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. CBD, THC combos for chronic pain. And then, of course, they've actually done clinical trials and there's a CBD-based pharmaceutical drug for seizures, a a rare type of seizure disorder that doesn't respond to other medications. Also, headaches, migraines. It's kind of the list really does. I know it seems like unbelievable, but it kind of goes on and on. Well, like, I mean, that makes sense considering we've got this system within us with receptors all over the place that... Mm -hmm kind of touch all these different aspects of our health and our mood and how we're feeling. And it is so individualized that, so I guess, depending on kind of what you have going on in inside of you, like a whole variation of CBD could, could affect you in a bunch of different ways. So I'm sure, you know, the more people kind of report, oh, this helped me with XYZ, 
that like list of possibilities just gets longer and longer. Yeah, exactly. And, and also CBD interacts with our immune system, which is sort of, we hear so much about how inflammation is the root cause of all disease and illness and, and CBD has anti-inflammatory properties. So that's most, you know, one of the ways that it, it works is by doing that. And that's why all those inflammatory conditions, people are really excited about the possibilities for those. Okay. So as with anything that then becomes super popular, like you can find it (laughs) everywhere. I mean, you can buy it on Amazon, you can buy it at the gas station, super random stores. So like actual CBD clinics or, or just kind of more professional looking places. How do we how do we go about knowing we're getting a good product? Because I imagine there's, I don't want to say like watered down, but you know, whatever that version of, of kind of less quality is in the CBD world. How do, how do we go about making sure if we're going to try it, we're trying with, we're trying something like legit. Yeah. And this is really, really, really important. In fact, maybe we should have started with this. Basically the CBD industry right now is not completely unregulated, but virtually unregulated. So the the responsibility is really in the hands of the consumer to make sure they're tracking down a quality product. And this is particularly important because CBD, like hemp and cannabis, it's a bioaccumulator, which means it absorbs, it literally absorbs toxins from the soil. Mm. So if you're buying a low quality hemp oil, CBD oil, cannabis oil, Uh, It could very well be contaminated with pesticides, heavy metals, things that you do not want to be ingesting. So the first rule of thumb is to absolutely buy from a brand that's testing its products in a third party lab, which means they don't test them themselves and just say, oh, here are the results. Believe us. But they're tested by like an unaffiliated third party lab. That's really important. And there are even now some certification programs developing. So your hemp product could have like a, you know, a seal of approval, sort of like organic things have the organic seal on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so number one is buy from a company that's lab testing them. And the way you'll know that is you can go to their website or you can call them or go to the, or the social media and their lab results, they'll call them a certificate of analysis will be displayed prominently. If a company is doing the right thing and and really testing their products, they're going to want to tell you about it. And they're going to have all the details there for you. So if anyone is sort of cagey about how they're testing, when they're testing, why they're testing, that's probably not a good product. Okay, that that's all right. That's a good one. So pretty much like if you go in somewhere, if you're looking online to order, and you don't see that, that's like the red flag. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and actually, and the other like, Number two, most important thing is you'll see kind of two different types of products. You'll see a full spectrum CBD oil, um, and then you'll see a CBD isolate. And a CBD isolate is basically they've just taken the CBD compound and then they put it in like coconut oil or whatever oil base. And then a full spectrum product is a full plant extract. So there'll be all those other terpenes and essential oils I talked about. There will be probably a teeny tiny bit of THC, but not enough to ever cause any effects. There will be other cannabinoids like CBN and CBG. And you really want to opt for that full spectrum oil. The studies that have been done have shown that when you do a full plant extract, it's just much more effective at lower doses. It's easier to dose. It's more predictable. um, And it's just plain more effective as opposed to this sort of isolated compound that it's just sort of just CBD and CBD. Like, you know, we learned CBD and THC work really well together. So CBD needs other stuff there to make it really beneficial. Okay. So with either the, the full spectrum or the isolate, if you work for a company that does drug testing with either or both of those, are you going to fail a drug test? So If you're buying like a, so I guess this would be a good time just to talk about, people might be confused because I've been dropping, you know, the name marijuana, hemp, cannabis. So just to clarify, cannabis is the name, you know, sort of the scientific name for the hemp and marijuana plants. Marijuana is sort of, you know, what we've come to learn as like the, the THC containing version of the plant. And then hemp has officially sort of been defined as 
a cannabis plant with less than 0.3% THC. And CBD oils um, from hemp are sort of what are being sold nationwide right now. And with more THC than that is going to be marijuana. And you're only going to be able to get that like with a medical marijuana card or from a, you know, a dispensary. So that's like sort of the distinction. Those hemp based products have very low amounts of THC. They shouldn't show up on a drug test, but I would never guarantee a hundred percent to someone because like I said, it's sort of unregulated. So if you're using a product that hasn't been tested properly and there's more THC in it than there's supposed to be, it's too hard to say, absolutely not, it won't, but it shouldn't. And there all are also some products that have virtually no THC, like not detectable levels when they've been tested. So it really, that kind of comes back to make sure you're getting something that's been tested. Is that something that you'd be able to see on the, um, the certificate of analysis? Yeah. Yeah. You would be able to. Okay. So like what other information do we need to be looking at? Like, I guess, how complicated is that certificate and what are kind of the main things that as a consumer, we want to make sure we look for? Yeah, they can be a little bit complicated, which is why. So one good thing to look for is that it's done by a third party lab, which, like I said, means they're not affiliated directly with the company that's producing the product. Another thing is to make sure the lab is ISO certified. It's like ISO certified. And that just means that the lab has sort of proven that it's a legit lab for lack of a better word. And that will mean that they have procedures that are sort of everyone agrees that this is the way we should do it. Other than that, the certificates of analysis can get pretty complicated, but you will be able to see here's, you know, the percentage of CBD. So obviously make sure that the percentage of CBD on there is the same listed on the bottle. Make sure that all of the pesticide testings are below the level of detection make sure the heavy metals are all that there aren't any you know high levels of heavy metals that they'll also test for like microbes and like you know other bad things and and you just want to make sure that none of those are flagged on the report but it would be very strange for a, a company to post a flag report because that means the the product is in circulation so it's more like doing your due diligence to make sure that the batch number on the lab report matches the one on your product and that that's, you know, the testing that came from, from yours. But that's sort of a reason to just find a brand that you really feel is being super transparent. And that is really, you know, jumping through all the hoops they need to jump through and then kind of stick with them. Right. Yeah. I, I see what you mean that it's not regulated, but it's funny because when you talk about this certificate that has all this information on pesticides and levels of, of different metals and stuff, and I'm just thinking, do we have this much information on everything else that we're putting in and on our body, like all the different beauty products and stuff? It almost seems like they're at least absolutely giving us not. all the information. We absolutely don't have that kind of information. And that's why you'll see reports, you know, like uh, consumer labs or, a, you know, an organization or environmental working group will test. A couple of years ago, they tested a bunch of uh, oat containing products and found that a bunch of them contained Roundup. And so that's there's a lot. Yeah, unfortunately, or like, you know, just recently they found um, a carcinogenic chemical in Zantec. So things like that do find their way in because they're everywhere. So yeah, in a way you're right. Like looking on the bright side of things, having your product tested by an ISO certified lab is a really good step in the right direction. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I I wish more products like food and, and just other health products kind of ran through that level of scrutiny. Yeah, me too. And I think that's the future. I really do. I think people will, you know, just sort of like farms have to prove when they want to have the organic seal. And there are these, you know, independent certification programs that, you know, for beauty products and things like that, that um, that will test products like that. And the environmental working group will also test those products. So there are like independent organizations doing it, but it's not like a government regulation by any means. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to be respectful of your time, but while I have you, I just want to ask, since this was kind of just a little bit of a unknown like system in our body and these, um, you know, these receptors, and then like how this, how the CBD can be beneficial. So like, 
I think I'm going to know your answer to this, but what is another, I guess, kind of your favorite unknown system or supplement or something that plays like a really important role of our health that isn't widely talked about? You know, I'm going to say magnesium. <laughs> I do know you're going to say magnesium. <laughs> Which then I, I wanted you to, because I want to, um, I, I want you to touch on that a little bit, just because I find that super interesting too. Okay. Yeah. So my, I wrote another book that came out in April um, and it's about magnesium, which is a mineral that's found on the earth in our bodies. And it's sort of one of these other things that it seems to do a little bit of everything. Magnesium's a cofactor in like over 300 biochemical reactions in our body that regulate anything from like DNA synthesis to blood sugar balance to blood pressure to heart rate. So it kind of does a little bit of everything. And it, and it, because of a bunch of different environmental factors like soil depletion and medication use, a lot of us are not getting enough magnesium. So that's another one that really excites me. And, and it's also the reasons why I decided to write the books on CBD and magne- magnesium is because as a health editor and someone who's been in this world for a long time, I've tried like essentially every supplement out there. And those are two that I really felt a difference when I took. And that really seemed to do something for my health and that I wanted sort of people to know about because there's a lot of stuff out there that people try and it doesn't work. And then they think kind of they give up. And and those are two that like really did something for me. And I feel like people should know about. Okay, awesome. Um, okay, so we've, we've talked about a lot. And I know, um, you know, some people might be feeling like overwhelmed in terms of all the, you know, the question marks and the variations and the options. So what are a couple, other than Mind Body Green, obviously, what mm-hmm. are a couple sources that are kind of your go-to in terms of like getting your health information and I guess your like top three or, or four like trusted sources? Yeah, totally. So for CBD info, Project CBD is a nonprofit organization that focuses on CBD education and advocacy. And that is like my favorite resource. Um, It's just projectcbd.com. You can learn a lot about CBD. Like, and if you're thinking, oh, you know, I have IBS, I'd love to see what's out, you know, what's, what research has been done on that. They have like a whole, you know, they have it sort of sorted by condition and it will sort of outline what studies have been done, what we know. Um, They're great where I would probably direct everybody. Anything that's sort of run by the government is going to have a very critical view of cannabis. That's just sort of their stance right now. And so critical that some of the information is not even accurate anymore because it hasn't been updated. I don't want to be like, don't trust the government because I'm not really that open. And also the U.S. Hemp Authority is a great place to go. Um, and they like they're the ones who sort of have done this certification program. Like if you want to learn about lab testing and, you know, how involved the FDA is and regulation and things like that, the U.S. Hemp Authority is a really good place to go to. Um, OK, thank you so much. So tell everybody where they can find you, where they can follow you, where they can buy your books, just all the things. Yeah. Okay. My book is called CBD Oil Everyday Secrets, A Lifestyle Guide to Hemp Derived Health and Wellness. It's a mouthful, um, but you can get it at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, any of the above. My website is just GretchenLittaker.com um, and you can find me there. So if anybody has questions, I have a little like, you know, comment section that you can reach me and that's where you can find me. And she really does respond because that's how I reached out to her. (laughs) I really do respond. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Okay. Thank you again to Gretchen for taking the time to teach me all about the cannabis plant. My favorite takeaways from our conversation are how we have this large yet often not talked about system, the endocannabinoid system. In our bodies that is made up of receptors and endocannabinoids that our body makes on its own. And this system is hugely important when it comes to regulating our body and maintaining homeostasis, yet so many of us don't know about or have never heard about this system. How there is still so much we don't know about the cannabis plant and its effect on our bodies because it's been so difficult to study because it's been classified as a drug for so long. How there are two compounds of the cannabis plant. THC, which is what gets you high and can have some negative effects like anxiety and paranoia, but also has a lot of positive effects. 
and CBD, which does not get you high and has a lot of benefits and can help temper the effects of THC. How ultimately this is a plant. So one of the undeniable benefits of kind of the movement towards legalization of cannabis is the ability to look at it and study it from the lens of plant medicine. So hopefully scientists will be looking at different compounds and identifying which ratios of each are, are best to treat a variety of conditions or issues. And we can start to really capitalize on the medicinal benefits of this plant as we do so many other plants how the effects and the benefits are very interpersonal. So it depends on how your endocannabinoid receptors are distributed throughout your body, your genetics, your brain chemistry, your brain structure. So you have to find what works for you, but also you can't really make assumptions or judgments about what does or doesn't work for someone else. So just keep that in mind as people talk about maybe the benefits that they are feeling from whatever their relationship with the cannabis plant may be. And lastly, remember that if you're going to try CBD to make sure to check the certificate of analysis and ensure that it was tested in a third party ISO certified lab. Okay, so that is it for this week. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please send it to a couple friends, rate the podcast, review the podcast, make sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss future episodes. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at the better you podcast. I ask that you please take a moment and record a short voice memo about a book or another podcast or an app or an article or, or anything that has helped you better understand yourself or better understand life. Just record that in a short voice memo and email it over to me at thebetteryoupodcast at gmail.com and I will include it in a future episode. And also, as always, I would love it if you check out my book. So you can find more information on my website at caseymain.com. The book is titled, I Gave Up Men for Lent, The Story of a Jaded, Hopelessly Romantic, Health-Conscious Party Girl Search for Meaning. The title can be a little bit misleading. It is not a book about relationships or being single or dating or, or anything. So no matter what your relationship status is, I really believe you will relate to the book as it's just a lot about the struggles we all face when trying to figure out and actually live out the life that we truly want. So that's it for now. After this, you'll hear a recommendation from a listener and thank you again and have a wonderful day. Hi, I'm Megan Weigel from episode nine, how to ease the stress of self-care. And I love the book, A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson because it taught me the power of forgiveness of yourself and of others, and how imperative this is for achieving personal peace.